Good morning, saints. We are in a sermon series on the glory of God. We have noted that God's glory is the brilliance of his essence and the sum of his attributes. We are invited to know him personally and deeply, not just in a passing manner. It is our privilege and duty as Christians to truly know Christ and the power of his resurrection in our lives. Not a passing matter, but our first and foremost pursuit. Last week we looked at God's holiness. God is other than. He is set apart completely, self-sufficient, utterly righteous. Frank's return from space is perfect for today's topic, which is creation. This week, I take you on our little title slide uh, to Germantown, Maryland. That is right across the street from our house. Uh, there's a little uh, government building there that uh, is kind of in the middle of our neighborhood. But uh, do not sleep on the beautiful sunsets we often have right here in our area. Now, God's word informs us that creation declares the glory of God. If you want to see the glory of God with your own two eyes, look up, look around, look above you to the skies, look below you to the smallest intricate details and the order of the world around you. Our world and our universe demonstrate remarkable design and order. Precision in the smallest details. And a vastness that is beyond our capacity to even comprehend it. What I consider to be a boss move. Keep in mind how the testimony of God begins in the word of God. There is no attempt to convince the reader that God exists. There is no argument to persuade us to believe that he is there. The book of God simply begins with these words. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The significance of this cannot be overstated. In the beginning, God before the earth was here, God is. Before the universe was created, God is. Everything that we see around us is his handiwork. He is the first cause. He created everything, ex nihilo, from nothing. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Creation is a testimony of his power and wisdom. He spoke and there was light. He spoke the word and things came into existence. He is worthy of our praise and adoration and worship. Truly, the heavens declare the glory of God. Our sermon text this morning is Psalm chapter 19, right there in the middle of your Bible. Psalm chapter 19, we're going to read the first six verses together, beginning in verse 1. The heavens declare the glory of God, 
and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours out speech, and night to night reveals knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words, whose voice is not heard. Their voice goes out throughout all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In them he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom leaving his chamber, and like a strong man runs his course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens, and its circuit to the end of them. And there is nothing hidden from its heat. This powerful message makes a few things very clear. When you look around, when you study science, when you look up to the skies at night, you are seeing, you are witnessing God's handiwork. The heavens and the earth make it very clear that there is indeed a God. And that God has formed our world through his great wisdom and power. The psalmist says it is a non-stop commentary given to us night and day about the power and the intelligent design of God. All day, every day, we are able to look around us and see and experience and encounter the glory of God. Even at night, we have a spectacle before us to remind us of the majesty and of the brilliance of God. We know that our world is not uniform. One of the highlights in traveling is, getting, is being able to see different types of wildlife and nature. In just a two-hour car ride from the airport, as we, your Brazil team, would arrive uh, and drive towards the Pantanal in Brazil, the topography literally changes multiple times during that two-hour car trip. Different parts of the world highlight different wildlife. Speaking of the Pantanal in Africa, in uh, Brazil, one of my favorites, they are so proud of their painted jaguar which leaps out of trees into the water and up with a caiman. I've seen it many, many times over video. Yeah, not in person. Different parts of our world, just our planet, (coughs) boast different climates and topography. During Frank's mission, I was a part of a few private social media groups that would follow his voyage and I learned so much it was amazing to see the photographs that they would post many of which were taken by my friend I've shown you pictures of Frank in the viewing area where they would look out across the vast expanse of space and see our world from 259 miles up one of my favorite images is this one over Africa. This is what is known as the Eye of the Sahara. It's an eroded geological dome. Can you imagine looking out over our world and experiencing firsthand this view? We see the beauty of creation and it fills us with awe 
and with wonder. He, of course, was able to to see and capture so many specific parts of the world throughout his mission. It was so intriguing to see these well-known places from that high up. A DVC scientist friend recently told me about an article published in Time magazine November of last year. It was based on a a science article that was released in 2017 about stars and galaxies and such. The gist of the article is that the scientists are intrigued and baffled by the images that are now coming in. As these images contradict the current established theories regarding other galaxies. Some notable quotes from some very smart people In this article, quote, everything we see is new. Webb is showing us that there's a very rich universe beyond what we imagine, said a professor at the University of California at Los Angeles, principal investigator on one of the Webb programs. Once again, the universe has surprised us. These early galaxies are very unusual in many ways. Second quote, these observations just make your head explode. This is a whole new chapter in astronomy, these images that are coming in. It's like an archaeological dig and suddenly you find a lost city or something you didn't know about. It's just staggering, added a scientist on the NASA website. Third quote, it's bananas noted an assistant professor of astrophysics at the University of Colorado Boulder and a co-author of the original paper in a statement that accompanied its release. You just don't expect the early universe to be able to organize itself that quickly. These galaxies should not have had time to form. The reality is, the more we probe and study the more we realize how much we do not know. Consider the mysteries of our oceans. So much to explore and learn. I want to make it very clear, in no wise am I deriding or making fun of scientists or science. Creation, God's creation is massive and seemingly limitless in our ability to wrap our minds around what we are studying. We see God's awe and splendor when we lift up our eyes to, uh, but it's also true that when we examine the minutest parts of creation, we see the intelligent design of God. Another former DBCer scientist shared this with me this past week in regards to flowers that we see all around us. Flowers can lift our spirits and comfort our soul. Such exquisite beauty and design. Now the science and the design behind flowers is nothing short of remarkable. Take this one, for example. The design is unavoidable. You can see here. There are three sepals. These are modified leaves that are thought to protect the flower when the bud is forming and to provide structural support for the petals. 
Sepals are usually green, but sometimes they look almost identical to the petals, as is the case here. The petals. Modified leaves that are usually pretty to the eye, but they also have a function, which is to attract pollinators. We see the uh, six anthers, the male parts of the flowers, which produce pollen. The pistils, the female parts of the flower. And in case you're wondering, yes, I did ask her to give me all this information so I could sound smart when I'm up here up front. Now, you simply cannot make up this type of design. This simply cannot just randomly appear. Keep in mind not only the design, but the function that each part has. It is mind-blowing. And we all know that when we look under a microscope... There's a whole new world that we don't even see with our naked eye that shows us the most amazing diversity in design. Truly, God's creation constantly, 24-7, is inviting us to see the glory of God. In the middle of the day, in the middle of the night, we are surrounded by God's great power. And wisdom. Now, regarding this constant testimony, God's word is very clear regarding the role of creation. Romans chapter 1. Creation, it speaks of God's glory, but it also holds us accountable. Romans chapter 1, I'll read verse 20. For God's invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, that's the glory of God, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world. In the things that have been made, so they are without excuse. When we perceive and encounter and engage the world around us. Creation itself is a witness to God's glory. It is a witness to the invisible attributes of God. His wisdom, his power, his eternality, his sustaining power and grace, and his amazing creativity. Every single one of us is confronted with the God who made us and everything around us. There's a very important theological truth in that verse. Not everybody has a Bible in their hands or a local church. Not everyone in the ancient world had what Israel had. But they are clearly able to perceive the greatness of God all around them. It's not a secret. And so in that regard, people are without excuse because they are constantly, we are constantly serenaded with God's creative glory. In fact, the Bible has a very clear message for those who would seek to deny his existence. 
The Bible says if you exclude God from your thoughts, if you attempt to believe that he does not exist, you are a fool. Psalm 14, verse 1. It is the fool who has said in his heart, there is no God. Now that is not beating around the bush. Keep in mind something very important here. The idea of atheism is actually a relatively new concept. It's kind of the genius of our relatively modern or recent era. When David was writing this, there were very few, if any, actual atheists. They did not all worship the true God. We know that. But they knew in their heart and in their mind that something, someone much bigger than them spun all of this into existence. So they would worship a pantheon of different gods and idols. But very few, if any, would actually say that we're here by chance. The reason why that is significant is I believe what the psalmist is actually saying here in Psalm 14 is that those who know there is a God and yet pretend that he is not there or live as if he doesn't exist, they are fools. We call them perhaps functional atheists. They do what they want on their own terms and ignore God. The Bible clearly tells us that when we do these things, we are indeed living in the height of folly. Keep in mind, we do this when we create our own humanist, secular philosophies and ideologies. We choose to create our worldview and exclude God and his holy commands and requirements. It is, a, it is good to test the prevailing notions in any generation against the straight edge of God's word. Now, a little side note, I will say I was having trouble making my final decision on the title slide. So here's one more from Germantown. This is Milestone Shopping Center. Hands down, if you've been there in the evening, uh, one of the best spots for nice sunsets. And I'd like to transition to speak to something that is very tender and comforting in regards to creation. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you have them, to Psalm. Again, the Psalms, chapter It is something that every single one of us should cherish. Despite the vastness of the universe, God's eye truly is on the sparrow. He is not unaware of even the most intricate details of of your life. The psalmist captures this so well in the first four verses of Psalm chapter 8. This is the word of the Lord. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. 
Out of the mouth of babes and infants, as we saw this morning, you have established strength because of your foes. To still the enemy and the avenger. Oh, when I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place. What is man? What is man that you are mindful of him? And the son of man that you care for him. Saints, God's name and his glory is above the heavens. It is so easy to look up to the night sky and be overwhelmed by the vastness of of it all. Though I do love doing this when down in, in our little Brazilian village. Because the stars are so clear. Because of the lack of light pollution in that area. And yet, my friend, I want to assure you that God is aware of every, every small detail in your life, including the painful ones that you hold to yourself. Nothing escapes him. Saints, he is not too busy to be mindful of us. Isn't that comforting? God rules the universe, but he is interested and has care for even the smallest details of our lives, even the parts that other people do not even know about. Saints, the beauty that we see around us pales in comparison to what the new heavens and the new earth will be like. While we see the handiwork of God all around us, we are deeply aware that in many ways, things are not as they should be. The Bible teaches us that because of sin, our world is under a curse. It is not too hard to see that. Not just in people but creation itself. Natural disasters and heartache are unfortunately a part of everyday life. We have disease and physical and emotional and mental difficulties which can be overwhelming at times. Every time we say an unwanted goodbye, we are mindful that things are not As they should be. Grief runs deep. As do pains and sorrows. And difficulties. Now what is true in our lives. As I said is also true. Of creation itself. As glorious. And as beautiful as our surroundings. Might be particularly this time of year. When we see the change of season. The trees. We know that things. Are not all right. Scripture speaks so clearly to that in Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. I'll read beginning in verse 19. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. 
For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. The context here is the weight of glory, the return of Christ. Without losing sight of where we are right now. Creation is mindful of what is to come. There is an anxious longing to see God's people fully and finally redeemed on that day. God will put all things right in creation. Uh, Creation will be recreated or restored to the full brilliance of what was known before the fall. It makes us long for eternity all the more. God will wipe away every tear. He will comfort our soul. We will live in the joy of his presence forever and ever and ever. In addition, creation will be rid of the vices and the maladies that we see now. And we will be utterly blown away. Day by day, if we even mark time at that point, by the pristine and dazzling beauty of what is to come. Fellow saints, never stop marveling at the beauty that is around you. Let it remind you of the God who is king in your heart. It is a showcase of God's glory. As we continue to talk about God's glory, I look, packing to, look forward to unpacking the rich Christology in Scripture in which we see the glory of God in Christ Jesus. I'd like to tie a few things together at this point as we kind of land the plane. The heavens and all that God has made declare the glory of God. It is a gift to us that points us to him within our abilities let us be good stewards of God's creation though we talk about the stars and the vast galaxies beyond the reach of the naked eye let us never forget the crown the crown of God's creation is you and me people The first five days of creation, God used to create the expanse of the universe and the depths of the ocean and all the wildlife and vegetation that we see, including that which we have not yet discovered. But day six is the crown of God's creation. It is where he created people. From the very beginning, we see the wonderful and purposeful design that God has. We saw that God created us male and female with our own unique makeup and purpose. We see God's design and plan for the family, one man and one woman, coming together in the covenant of marriage for the glory of God. We see the Imago Dei, the image of God. Of no other part of God's creation is it said that they or it is the image 
of God. That is reserved for people. It is why we long and we pray for the day when abortion is considered unthinkable. We detest and we denounce any form of racism that would dare belittle and harm those created in the image of God. The Christian mandate from creation is to value people. And that includes the refugees that are in our midst, that are among us. And as Isabel Tom so wonderfully reminds and inspires us, those who are in the latter stages of life. Dear saints, I pray that you are filled with wonder at God's beauty all around you. Thinking of the little ones that we dedicated this morning and the others we will dedicate next week. How precious in God's sight are those little ones. We indeed do well to support and encourage parents as we all raise our children. Let this morning be a reminder that contrary to current philosophies, you are not a mistake. You are not here by accident. You are not the product of random chance over a long period of time. No, you are created personally and fashioned lovingly by God. He does not make mistakes Your life has value and great purpose. Rest assured of that today. That you and I and the people you encounter today are truly the crown of God's creation. Let's bow and prepare our hearts for prayer. Oh, Lord God, we are in awe of you. We have so much on our plates, so much on our minds. How quickly and how easily we forget to just stop and look around us. We give you praise. We give you honor and we bless your name as we consider your handiwork above us, below us, around us, under a microscope, through a telescope. We give you praise. Father, today remind us That indeed the crown of your creation is people. Let us be good news to those around us. Let us be patient and long-suffering with one another. Let us be kind. Let us speak the truth in love. Thank you for your patience with me personally, with each of us. May we be fierce and long-suffering in our love for those around us.
Thank you for the simplicity and the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Indeed, you sent your son, the Lord Jesus, who lived among us, was crucified and suffered for our sins was buried, and he rose again. Oh Lord, we always pray that if there is but one person who has not repented and put their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ alone as their Savior, that today would be the day of their salvation. We give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen.